Saucy Book Club. I'm Jen. And I'm Zanna. What's in your cup today, Zanna? Today I am drinking a chamomile made with flowers that I grew in my garden. So Ooh, I'm that's all, as homemade as you I'm can all get. Homemade and stuff today. Well, How about today, you? What are you drinking? I've got a local a local tea company called uh, Turning Pages Tea, and it's her French breakfast tea. And the I found this at my local farmer's market, and it's absolutely delicious black tea. And she does all of the design of the labels and everything herself. This particular French breakfast tea, she's named Charlemagne, and it's delightful. And so also delightful is our guest today. And today we're joined by Lynn Reed. She's a screenwriter and independent film producer currently working in the U.S. and Australia. Lynn's current project is a feature film adaptation of Aaron Hortle's debut novel, The Octopus and I. We're going to be talking with Lynn today about her process of finding a book and translating that for the screen. Welcome to the program, Lynn. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So you've been working in the film industry for a number of years now. Uh, What got you interested in adapting books for film? And have you always done that? Or have you done your own projects as well? Actually, until this, and I've been working in the film industry for about 10 years now, I've had original projects. So the, uh, the first film I made was an original script by me, kind of loosely based on my own growing up. And I've since then written a number of original projects. But as you and your listeners might be aware, projects that come from what we call existing IP in the film biz have a much greater chance of getting financed and, you know, eventually getting to film or whatever screens you might be using these days to watch media. I knew that I was at a point in my career where I really would have more success if I found a novel to base my next script on. So tell us about your selection process. Is that the the process of adapting a novel, whether that's the author choosing a screenwriter or the screenwriter pursuing the rights to an author's work? Would you say, in your experience, would you say it's more the first or the second or a little bit of both? I think in in my segment of the industry, which is more independent and not huge Hollywood financing and what have you, it's definitely the producer going out and finding the material, just, you know, mm-hmm. reading tons of novels or, or works of nonfiction and trying to figure out what would make a good film. Because, of course, not every novel is well suited for mm-hmm. film. Right. Right. You've also got to think about budget. So many historical novels are not, they, I mean, they might be suited for uh, adaptation in terms of the storytelling, but at a budget that's impossible for a, you know, a particular producer, sure. you know, to yeah. attain. If you've got to spend all your money on costuming and stuff, then. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, well, look, yeah. I mean, just Location across the board, and... if you're doing period, it's more expensive. Yeah. Right. The the second factor, and, and this goes into why I chose this this particular book as well, is of course one of the brilliant things about novels is that you can get much more into the head of the characters, right? They're mm-hmm. much more interior works. And in film and television, you know, without a ton of voiceover or characters talking to the screen, both of which have, you know, their limitations, we just can't get into the character's head in quite the same way. 
So, you know, there are a ton of beautiful novels that I've read that are just too interior for me to, you know, adapt successfully to a film. So I guess to go back to your, your big question, I was looking for something that I could make in Australia because I knew that I wanted to go back there and, and make another project. I was looking for something that resonated with me personally enough that I was the right writer for the project, you know, because I'm both writer and, and producer. And then thirdly, I was looking for something that at my status or lack thereof in the industry was available to me. You know, I can't go after a Stephen King novel to pick something at the absolute other extreme. You know, I, so I've, I've got a debut novelist. I think this is a, a fabulous novel. It's one of the best things I've read in the past few years, but because she is relatively new herself, you know, to the, to the market in Australia, I was able to, establish a relationship with her literary agent and then um and then with the novelist herself and i had to go through an interview process with them mm -hmm. with the literary agent and the novelist before they even wanted to talk about money you know because they want the they want to make sure that the property is going to be in the right hands yeah and that you're the right person for the job as much as the book is the right property for you Exactly. So it, you know, so once I go through my selection process, there was then a bit of an interview process on their end before we could even start talking about financial terms and length of the deal and all those things that you put in a legal contract. You had to date first before you got married. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so Erin is a, she's a debut novelist and she is local in Australia and so for listeners who might be trying to find this book, I will tell you it's difficult. Xana managed to pull it off. <laughs> yeah, it can be done. It can be found in the U.S., but it's really tough. Otherwise, it's only available in Australia and France, I think. Is that yeah, there's been, a, there's been a French translation. Yeah, so, the, so what, what was it in particular that, that drew you to this to this book? I, I mean, well, how did you find it, first of all? Yeah. Well, I found it, I actually, I had a bit of a relationship with the literary agent who, just for people who don't know how that process works, she represents a number of novelists, you know, and there, there are a number of them in Australia and they have their own clients and they represent their clients and send lists to producers of rights that are available. So maybe every three months or so, I'll get a, a gigantic email with, here are the hundred books that are on our roster and that we think you should look at. So that's how it first came to my attention. And this was early COVID, so March, April of 2020. And I read it pretty quickly and knew that it was a great novel and knew that it had moved me, you know, that it, it kept my attention and, um, you know, it moved me very much as a reader. But at that point, point, I wasn't sure that it was for me. It actually took me through, you know, most of COVID, which, you know, in my head is the time in which the Australian border was closed. So about two years and of reading, you know, probably dozens of other Australian novels in that time period, but also in the background, continuing to come back to this novel 
and thinking about how can it be adapted? How can it be adapted? So, mm -hmm. you know, the, the basic story is that our, our protagonist, Lucy, when we meet her in the novel, um, she's a 30 year old woman. She's living on the Tasman Peninsula in Tasmania, which is a fairly remote area. Her husband is an abalone fisherman. And she has, before we meet her in the novel, she's had breast cancer as a very young woman and had reconstructive mm. surgery. And when we meet her, she's sort of in the aftermath of that and sort of learning to live with her new body and finding that it doesn't quite fit, mm. that people are reacting too much, uh, she feels, to the reconstructive surgery to the breast implants and sort of losing sight mm -hmm. of her. So she's sort of struggling with that and dealing with that. She then sort of by accident falls in with these older women in the neighborhood who are harvesting octopus. And mm -hmm. they do this every so often and then they pickle the octopus. And so Lucy, our protagonist, she finds the women doing this. She's fascinated by it. They bring her into the process and she learns about the octopus in that area. And this very unique fact of geography there where a pregnant octopus, when it's time to lay her eggs, has to cross from one side of this very narrow isthmus over to another side to the open ocean where there are caves where an octopus might successfully lay her eggs now to get there now in you know in in our times this octopus has to cross a highway you know she didn't oh, used wow. to have to do that oh gosh. <laughs> oh, right? wow. so for, for millennia right she was just crossing a sandbar and now she has to cross a highway and oh. so lucy learns lucy <laughs> learns this and is fascinated by this and of course, one night, you know, when she's out with these these older women from her area, she sees a pregnant octopus trying to cross the road. And Lucy, because of, you know, what's going on in her life, decides she's going to pick the octopus up and help it cross the road. And in that moment, she gets hit by a car. It destroys the breast implants. And she oh, decides wow. at this other like moment of impulse, nope, you know, not doing that again, not having reconstructive surgery again. What I'm going to do instead is get a full body tattoo mural of octopus across my chest. Wow. <laughs> okay. Cool. <laughs> and, and so <laughs> what I loved about that as a filmmaker is here we've got this very interesting interior process of a young woman dealing with multiple traumas. Mm -hmm. And yet we have this physical visual representation of it yeah. that I can actually show on screen. Yeah. That's and, it, and it can be, it, it's gorgeous and it can be quite visceral really. I mean, yeah. to, to, to go through gee lynn i can't imagine why you wanted to pick up this book yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh now yeah. i'm gonna have to work even harder to get it <laughs> yeah. I, yeah i read it and then i'll send it to you <laughs> if okay. you can't find it otherwise thank you <laughs> but i'm reading it but so <laughs> yeah so you so you got this and immediately were i can see why that would then spur you on to say you know what this should be a movie Taking that, if you're looking for other, you know, projects to adapt, I mean, obviously this has a lot that you can work with and everything, but 
under other circumstances, what would it be to get your attention for, a, you know, what would excite you about a potential project? Well, I think some element of it has to be really unique. You know, it has yeah. to be something that we have not seen before on screen, you know? So, so that's really what we're comparing it to, right? Not, not other novels, but other, yeah. other movies, Mm-hmm. You know, what What have we not seen on screen? Because, of course, ultimately, I'm marketing this to a film audience who, you know, may never read the novel. So I'm looking for that. I'm looking for something that's unique in the movie marketplace. And I'm looking for something that is achievable. And I think that's true for any producer, like even producers who are part of larger companies than I am, or, you know, more attached to Hollywood than I am, or what have you. It's like, within your own business circumstances, you're looking for something that's achievable. Mm -hmm. So just to give you one example, there's an absolutely beautiful Australian novel that I read a couple of months ago, and that I learned was um, optioned by another company. I love this novel. But the protagonist for most of it is a young teenage girl who then dies. And in the second half of the novel is a ghost. And so, oh, how do I cast challenges? How do well, how do I cast that? You know, (laughs) you know, it would mean I would have to, I can't rely upon the star power of a 12 year old to sell the movie, to finance the movie. So it could only be done by a director who has their own star power mm-hmm. or, you know, a, a huge, if the property itself, if the, if the novel itself were just like massively, hugely successful, yeah. you know, so they're just, you know, every producer has to work through their own business circumstances and figure out what is right for them. I mean, I knew with a 30 year old protagonist, I had more options. Sure. Right. <laughs> a few, a few more, uh, a few more people to draw from. And yes. yeah, because, uh, you know, you said that about a, a about a 12 year old girl. And I was thinking of John Green's novel, The the Fault in Our Stars and mm-hmm. how they, they got, they, they got actors with experience, even though they were teenagers, but they weren't well established. But it was mm-hmm. the fact that, that this was a best-selling novel that that it was going to be put on screen at all. But yeah, that that there are that there's so many factors involved in in making sure that this is something that gets gets attention. But I love what you said earlier about it being unique to the screen. Mm-hmm. Even with that, it sounds like this novel in particular still has the commonalities of humanity. This is something that Zana and I talk about a lot with our book reviews is that is the importance of storytelling, whether that's a fictional, you know, fictional novel or nonfiction or whatever, that it's the storytelling that is universal to the human experience. And so I'm I'm seeing in just uh, what you have described of the octopus and I, that there are some th- uh, there are themes in there that are relatable to all of us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, you know, I am not, you know, I did not have breast cancer. Thank God. That's not my personal experience. I have not lived on the Tasman Peninsula. I have not helped an octopus across the road. 
But mm-hmm. what I really resonated with in Lucy's story is that she is a woman who is dealing with massive changes in her life mm-hmm. and finding that the people around her, including her husband, he becomes a big part of the story as well, no longer see who she authentically is on the other side of these changes. You know, so yeah, her husband right. in particular wants things to go back to normal thinking that there is a normal and she increasingly has trouble convincing him that like no this is you know these these things happened in my life and I'm different because of them Mm -hmm. and you know and and so that really resonated with me because I think so many of us um you know particularly by the time we're older women and have a little bit of mileage on us right I mean we've we've gone through various kinds of changes and sometimes find that the important people in our lives don't see or want to see those changes. Yeah. Yeah. And And they don't always follow along on the journey or they're not at the same speed on the journey. They may be a little behind or ahead or, or something, but even, even in the broader picture of all of us post all of the things that we've been going through in the last couple of years, I have seen a number of people, myself included, who have a whole new perspective on life, on how we interact with different people, and the relationships involved in that have all changed a bit. You know, those things that interested us don't interest us as much anymore, or they, or we have a new perspective on how we view them, or the state of the world, or anything else. So there's a lot to be gained from stories like this as you said you know they're not there we haven't all picked up an octopus and taken it across the road but we have had other things in common with the character of lucy so (laughs) although i do want to try and pick it up (laughs) pick up an octopus and take it across the road i think that would be great i mean that's just such a managed with a turtle so (laughs) well but it's just such a i mean a regionally unique thing and just like wow but i'm trying to visualize all of that in my head which which i'm very excited for the the project because it it would uh it would be great to see on screen yeah apart from this what would be what would be your dream project lynn where where would you what would you like to do that you haven't done yet and it doesn't even have to be you know, adapting anything, if there's like another part of filmmaking that you would like to pursue or something like that, what's your, what's your dream project? We'll put it out there in the universe for you. (laughs) Well, that's, you know, that's an interesting question because I think that I'm at a stage in my career and the film industry is in such a state of flux that I probably need to be pursuing multiple projects at once. So the big picture answer is, you know, I want the one that can get made at the, I don't know, the the level of quality, because uh, I'm not even talking specifically about budget. I want the one that can get made at the level of quality that I can be really proud of. And look, any film at all getting made is a bit of a miracle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? But when you start this early in the process as a writer-producer, you're imagining 
the most fantastic, most excellent, you know, version of the project that you can. And of course, eventually, you know, bringing in collaborators to, you know, to try and execute that vision and, and in many cases make it better than even what one person could possibly imagine. Cause that's one of the great things about film. I'm at a part in the process right now where I am still looking for those collaborators. And so a lot of that process is trying to communicate my vision along with handing them the script. How do you do that? How do you how do you make those um, connections? Is it people you already know, or is it? Um... You know, it's 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 a combination. The Australian film industry is pretty small. Right. Um, it's looking at who has done other work in a similar vein and reaching out to them. And you know, some people I can get to with just a you know a cold email. Other people I need a couple of hops and you know a couple mm -hmm. of people to say, hey, so and so recommended I reach out to you. But, you know, after those sort of initial emails, hey, here's, you know, here's the novel, here's the project, here's what I'm thinking, or, you know, we do that a couple of rounds on email, and then the person agrees to read the script, and then they come back to me and say, you know, this resonates with me, this doesn't resonate with me, you know, and, and conversations continue. But with something like a director, which is where I'm at right now, you really want that creative meeting of the minds. Yeah. And want to make sure that you're telling the same story. That sounds like that almost has to be like soulmate level. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it, it's difficult. It's difficult. Mm -hmm. And, and you never really know how long it's going to take. Right. So when this goes back to, you know, I mean, and that's sort of why I'm tying this into what's my, what's my goal. I want to find the right people that lets me, that let me make this at a certain level of excellence mm -hmm. and not just anyone. Yeah. Yeah. The relationship has to be special, not lifelong, but special enough for this project to have everybody want quality work. Yeah. Right. Right. And, you know, and you have to have the same sort of definition of quality work, you know, and the same sort of definition of what's the right story to tell because I mean of course in the adaptation process there are parts of the novel I didn't use mm -hmm. you know so right. I had a conversation a couple of months ago with a director who was interested but as we got further into the process she was really set on like no I can only tell the story if we include these parts of the novel that you did not include in your script and you know i mean in some situations that can be a productive and you know creative friction in this one it was not because we just couldn't hit find that meeting of the minds even on what story to tell from the novel mm -hmm. and so speaking speaking to the the parts of the novel that you did not include how difficult is that is that conversation between you and the author on well, I won't be able to use this, but here's why. Well, in some cases, in, in I'm going to say three or four very big picture cases with this novel, it was part of our discussions up front. When the novelist and the literary agent were interviewing me and sort of asking me for my take on how I would tell the story. So we had a number of those conversations up front. And then, you know, you, you deal with it by contract, right? So, yeah, right. <laughs> so I have, um, 
you know, I have, I, I mean, I can do whatever I want legally because I am, you know, in my contract, you know, I'm allowed that, that freedom and that latitude and the author gave me that permission. Maybe with Stephen King, it's different. I don't know. But, you know, typically the author, the, the novelist is, is signing away those rights. In this case, though, I also have brought the novelist on as a consultant because being an American, an American who knows Australia and has worked in Australia, but is not native to this specific, you know, part of Tasmania, I thought that would be an asset, right? And and it made the whole sort of deal making easier because I was bringing Erin on as a consultant. And she was great. She was absolutely great at that. And I think we'll continue to be as we go Mm -hmm. through this process. In particular, there was an aspect of the husband's story as he's reacting to, to Lucy that for me, even from the beginning, didn't quite work for film. And I knew I was going to have to change fairly significantly. In the novel, it almost, a fairly significant thing happens that I won't say here because it's a spoiler. Appreciate that. And if it feels a little <laughs> out of the blue in the novel. Okay. And I knew that for film, I needed to set that up better. You know, right. I needed to make it a little bit more of a gradual buildup to this particular event. And so Aaron and I talked about that a lot. And often my first suggestions were just a little bit too American. Huh. Okay. Interesting. So or that- a little bit sort of out of scale as to how people she felt would actually react in that situation. Sure. So she was a very good sounding board that way. She doesn't have final say, um, but she was a very good sounding board for me in, you know, in working that out and wasn't at all precious about things that I was changing. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you find that you have to sort of handhold more with with film audiences than you might need to with book audiences or I wouldn't say handhold it's just that in screenwriting when we say that something has to be set up or that a character's act- yeah. actions have to be motivated that means something very specific in how you break down a story and tell it scene by scene Mhm And in a novel, because you have more access to the interiority of the character, maybe things don't need to be quite as set up as well. And and again, I'm using that term of that term of art, right? Right. So I wouldn't call it handholding. I would just call it something about like the grammar of screenwriting that we're all sort of taught. Right. And that audiences, I think, have become accustomed to. Yeah, and then you it's not a talking down to its explanation as like you say, there's so much there's there are cultural variations. And so in order to get this to a wider audience, that that part's probably going to have to be explained a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's part of it. I mean, part of it too, and this is maybe getting us even, you know, deeper into the, the weeds of filmmaking, is that I've got to think about what actors can play and how actors work. Mm -hmm. So I need to, you know, I need to sort of build that, uh, that sort of process up for the actor. 
gotcha. as well. And I think too, like in film or television, if something happens out of the blue, it means something different to an audience. You know, it has a certain kind of impact. It has a certain kind of like, oh, that was unexpected. Yeah. You know, that that's maybe a little different from the reading experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just thinking of the whole arc of the story and what I want the audience to experience. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's Lucy's story mm-hmm. as well, right? Which has consequences for her husband, which then have consequences for her. But I don't want to make it too much his story. Gotcha. So you have to sort of narrow it down. And which... Yeah, and which is why the changes, you had to carefully navigate the changes that you did make from the novel to keep it her story and not go too far into his when trying to explain their interactions. And so when you're, when you were making those, those changes, uh, when you're in the actual screenwriting process, then how much of it are you concerned about changing the story or are you more concerned about how it's going how the story is going to look when having to decide what to edit what to you know what to stretch out what to keep I mean I think the I think the first thing that I needed to figure out was just the arc and structure of the story and so that's pulling you know those aspects out from the novel so my outline included I mean in screenwriting we generally do a a scene by scene outline for this outline particular scenes it would be like you know go to page 252 and you know pull out this chunk of text and dialogue but then there were other places on my outline where I'm inserting a scene that's not in the novel at all because the structure of screenwriting Mm -hmm. calls for that right so we know that um, you're still working on The Octopus and I uh, as an ongoing project. So we won't ask you the, so when can everybody see this in our theater? <laughs> there you them, yeah. you know? um, so we won't ask you that, uh, but we do want to find out looking into 2023, are you working pretty much on this project or do you have other projects uh, going at the same time? I'm pushing this project ahead and it will take the time it takes. I've got an original screenplay um, in the works, which is, a, I have the first third of the story. So I don't want to tell you for sure that that's, that's fine. absolutely going to get <laughs> done because I'm still exploring. Perfectly fair. I'm still Perfectly exploring fair. that story. And then I also recently read an Australian novel that has got me thinking differently about novel writing, not so much for screenplays but like huh is this a way that I could maybe also write a novel sometime in the future I mean and I'm thinking I mean this is a four or five year process right right but this particular novel there's just something about the the structure of it and the way it did the storytelling that has got me thinking about that now Hmm. So this may be something we interview you again in the future about your about your latest novel instead of your, your latest film project. Perhaps. That would be Perhaps. that would be wonderful because we yeah, would love would to great. have you back on the show again. Yeah. And thank you for being on today. Uh, we you. really appreciate it. And all uh, the information that we talked about with Lynn today will be available on the show notes page on our website, cupandsaucybooks.com. 
And you can also contact us by email, uh, contact at cupandsaucybooks.com. And follow us on social media at Cup and Saucy Books. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Mastodon, Hive, TikTok, and Tumblr. And we hope to meet you in person as well. So Zana and I will be at the upcoming Readers Take Denver conference at the end of March. And let us know if you will be there too. Follow us on social media and slip into our DMs and we would love to see you there. Thank you so much for joining us for the Cup and Saucy Book Club. Join us next time for Xana's review of whatever it is I made her read. Probably tangents. Happy reading. Cheers. Cheers.